podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. From the people who turned a niche Scottish football podcast into a critically acclaimed TV show on the BBC. It's Review from the Terrace, a pop culture podcast network. Hello and welcome to the Still Game podcast. My name is Bethany Tennick. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Scottish Rewatchable. Hello and welcome to Review from the Turnbuckle. Debating the best in movies, iconic TV shows, classic albums, peak era wrestling and so much more. Some intern got fired for that. Like, <laughs> be like, Jared! And what would you have done? <laughs> Loved it. What a moment. What a moment. Review from the Terrace brings together a collection of professionals, pals, misfits and special guest interviews. The one and only Ewan Angus. Big G Telfer. Director of Slow Games, Michael Hines. That's Review from the Terrace, a newly created podcast network with at least two shows dropping every week. Hi, neighbour. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, man. It's been a long time, man. <laughs> Many people will say it's the biggest moment in the history of wrestling. It's about 35. <laughs> <laughs> Find us on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig and I am joined by Paul Doolan. Hello. And only Paul Doolan. Dave Watson (sighs) is not available today for a couple of reasons. Uh, One, because, uh, as I understand it, Dave's dead. He went to a stag do this weekend and is essentially dead. Um, but we're also recording this during uh, traditional uh, working hours. But Paul and I, being independent, self-employed, creative creatives, I'll use creative as <laughs> yeah. now. Um, but I've also gone Dreamweavers. That's Dreamweavers. Yeah, yeah, practitioners. Um, we are able to record this during the day, whereas Dave is still is right now. Dave is working for the man he's clocked in at factory capitalism he's at the coal face he's at the coal face of whatever the fuck it is dave does analytics isn't it i think so yeah data come yeah. on Paul, what is it, what is it <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm going quiet because i have no idea what it is dave does but he has told us several times yeah it's just, something to do with stats. It's stats. Or is it? No, he's a chef. He's a chef. I think. I think Dave is responsible for making sure that all of uh, the petrol stations in the country are well stocked with fuel. That so stag do has had huge knock-on effects then. Um, so, yes, unfortunately, Dave can't be here. We haven't done a, a Newcastle Natter in quite some time uh i believe we did the last time we did in newcastle natter uh it was after our 2-2 draw at home against southampton uh since then we've had uh a 4-1 loss away against manchester united we've had a 1-1 draw with leeds and we've had a 1-1 draw with watford since our last podcast paul has anything changed for you? Sort of. It's a tricky one. I think we've we've looked pretty poor. The Man U game, I think we kind of played okay at the beginning and then lost 4-1, which isn't unusual for us against Man U. But it's it's not ideal. It's weird looking at the last three games because we've 
comparing those to the same three games last season, if you swap Watford for West Brom, we've picked up one more point, but that's only two points from three games. But otherwise, we've still looked pretty poor. We've still not managed to keep a clean sheet. But I think if the if there is a point that's different to talk about, I think it's our reaction to going behind against Leeds, switching to a back four, and then sticking with that for Watford away, which, I mean, we'll probably come onto that in more detail, but was a game we really should have won. Uh, yeah. I mean, with as it stands, we've got three points from six games, and considering we've played... We're, Man United are the only side that we've played who are, you know, a, what what are they, a top four side? Yeah. You would have hoped that out of those six games, we would have at least had one victory. Yeah. Well, as I said about corresponding fixtures last season, if you look at all the fixtures we've had last season, we'd have had seven points from those six games. Right. So we... It's not great. It's 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 not great. If you were to um, listen to the median Newcastle United fan on Twitter, you would you would say it's the the worst start to a season that any team has ever had in the history of the game. I would say that's not the case, but um, yeah, it's not great. Uh, Man United, good first half for us, I think, and then we did capitulate. Leeds, I can't really remember. St. Maximin's had a good start to the season, hasn't he? Yeah, I think Leeds was important for us. I mean, we've been saying it for a while. Five at the back isn't working. You sort of have five at the back to be more defensively solid. And oh, it hasn't right. made us we watched, any more solid. We watched Leeds, didn't we? That was on. It was a Friday night game on Sky. Yeah. Both the Leeds game and the Watford game, whatever you think about, our performances and whether we should have been getting three points from each and you could make a case that, you know, we should have got a victory out of at least one of those games. Um, they were both really entertaining. Yeah, it was a nice change. Leeds, we kind of dominated, which I don't think any of us were expecting after the way Leeds played against us last season. But you also have to say Leeds are a very different team from the look of it this season. They look in trouble. You sort of wonder whether the Bielsa bubbles kind of burst but yeah I think considering some of the shit we've had to watch over the last few years those last two games have been more entertaining than some half seasons we've had yeah this is the thing I mean I understand that there's a constant anxiety about us going down and uh, a feeling that even if we are getting entertainment I think a lot of fans aren't able to to find it entertaining, you know, like it, yeah, never say it's more entertaining for the neutral. Well, I think the Leeds game, some of our defending was like so open. There was a moment where I think they they kind of missed a couple of sitters, and there was one where we had about four players back, and we all just ran onto the goal line, basically said like have a shot. It just it didn't look like even Championship level defending. So we're entertaining, but we look. Pretty shambolic. Sure. I'd say less so against Watford. If you look at the goal we conceded, it was sloppy, but we didn't look, we weren't dominated defensively against Watford. I'd say that was 
defensively a much stronger game for us than any we've had with five at the back this season. Yeah, I've been, well, you know, I've been entertained. I would like to see a victory. And I guess let's talk about Watford because that's the game that we really, really did deserve to win. We created a phenomenal amount of chances. Yeah. The high, highest XG of any team in the Premier League this weekend, I think. We, um, although I sourced that stat myself, so there's a high chance <laughs> of it was over two, though, which for us is unheard of. Yeah, the 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 miss that's got the the headlines is partly because of the time it happened in the game. Is the Jacob Murphy one on one? Yeah, that was uh, that would you would have thought would have won it for us. It wasn't great, was it, Paul? No, I don't think anyone can look at that and call it great. He had so many options. It's just, I'm always up for a player trying to lob the keeper or trying to do a little chip, but it has to go more than one foot in the air to be a chip. Well, I think that what he was attempting to do was, here's what I think. I think... I mean, we should say at the start, you're quite a big Jacob Murphy apologist, so you will find a way to defend him. No, it's true. I... I was very disappointed in Jacob, you know, as I, I said, I sat he knows that I'm very disappointed in you. You've let me down. Um, I did find out on a Saturday that we've recently signed him to a six year contract. Yeah. <laughs> which seems insane. This is another one of those things that only we do that other clubs don't like with the, we pay for transfers up front rather than installments and no other club does. And if a player's contract's nearing an end, you just have to have three good games and you'll get a six-year contract. We had, club... would, Dwight Gale hasn't had three good games for us in the Premier League in the entirety no. of the time he's been with the club. And he got signed for like, was it a three-year deal he got? like Something like It was good to see him come on against Leeds into his favoured number 10 role behind sure. striker Alan Maximum. But... Um, Yes, I mean, Alan, I've, I've waylaid us, but yeah, Alan Shearer pointed this out on Match of the Day a couple of weeks ago, that we do have this, we sign a lot of players onto long-term contracts, but then also our policy as a, a club is you have to offload players before you can buy new ones. So it's this yeah. catch-22 where, you know, it's not long before we're going to be fielding a 45-year-old Matt Ritchie and, and, and John Joe Shelby. I think as well, Murphy feels like he was signed to a new deal and Matt Ritchie because they were crucial to that wing-back system, which we've deserted now. So now we're going to be stuck with two players. We've not really... I mean, Matt Ritchie's a left-back now for us, which if you're Jamal Lewis, that's going to be a little bit galling. As it stands, Jacob Murphy, you wouldn't expect him to be in our first-choice 11 every game of everyone was no. bit, but you'd hope that he'd play quite a big part in our season but what I was going to say is in that one-on-one I am happy to to accept that in, in a lot of instances the, the attacking player won't score in that in that situation it's still I think the keeper did well he rushed out it wasn't like he missed a sitter it's still difficult to score 
What made it far, far worse? I would say he did, he did miss a sitter, but carry on. One-on-one with the keeper is not a sitter. That's not what a sitter is, especially if the keeper is rushing out and right close to you. This is another pointless football debate along the way. Is he world-class, though? Like, what's a sitter? What's world-class? I would describe a sitter as you just have to just kick it at the goal and it's in. But what we, he did is he missed it really badly, didn't he? He went for, he was the, expecting the keeper to dive, so he was going to do a little dink. But his yeah. dink wasn't even on target. And because the keeper stood up, it just looked embarrassing. So it was awful. You would hope that he would put it away. Yeah. But like, it was, it was not a hard chance, but I wouldn't call it a sitter. I would say you would expect worst, him to score. I would say a worse situation was when uh, there was a moment when St. Maximin, I think, did he get it by pressing? There was, or there was a bad kick from the goalkeeper or something. Yeah. We suddenly found ourselves in a situation with St. Maximin in a brilliant situation where there was, you know, it's easy to look back at it in hindsight, but there was one moment where he could have basically kicked it in an open goal. But he ended up sticking with it for a minute and then squaring it for Sean Longstaff who knocked it over. I, think I that felt was, a bit I think, sorry. It felt a bit sorry for Sean Longstaff because that looked like a sitter. But the way it... No, yeah, it bobbled. It, but I think if you took... If you freeze-framed each of those two situations at the moment that we got the ball, right? Yeah. If you freeze-framed Jacob Murphy in a one-on-one and you freeze-framed... <laughs> this was like a, a straw man defence designed just to make Jacob Murphy look better. It's not... Is he, I, is or, he your son? It, it's not a defence of Jacob Murphy. I'm just saying that we actually did worse in that other situation. That was a better chance. Yeah. No, I do agree. We had plenty of good chances as well. We, on one level, that's encouraging because you, I mean, how long have we been saying we're a team that can't dominate other teams and doesn't know what to do with the ball? That didn't look like the case against Watford. And it is only Watford, but they're not doing too badly. I felt there's a lot to be positive about, but also a lot to be depressed about in that game. Sure. And it, it, the fact that we don't have Callum Wilson. I think Kieran Clark as well missed a couple of, I'm not going to say sitters, but good chances. Yeah, I would say... I would say a couple of seasons ago. I would say that his headed opportunity was an easier chance than Jacob Murphy. Wow. I would say Jacob Murphy's one-on-one was the hardest. <laughs> it, was, it was almost <laughs> impossible. It would have been... It was a goal... If it had gone in, it would have been a goal of the season. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, well, let, let's have a quick break because um, we've been asked to do our break sooner in the show so we can sell you shit, but we will be back in a moment. Welcome back. Good break, Paul. Very good. Wonderful products in the adverts. Oh, they were so good. Um so, is there much else to say about the Watford game? I'm sure there is. I think two players who I think, not just the Watford game, but recent games, we should talk about as rare positives. Sean Longstaff seems to be getting better every game. 
There's a lot of talk about Rafa wanting to take him to Everton. He's only got a year left on his deal. So we'll be presumably looking to tie him down to a six, maybe seven or eight year deal soon to try and get everyone away. But no, I think he's looked really tidy playing. I mean, it's a rare case of player being played in the right position and getting better. But I think yeah. the more the more minutes he's got, because Shelby's been out, the better he's looked. I'm sort of hoping he keeps his place. Well, with um, what happened to Matty Longstaff and with the last couple of years that Sean has had, uh, I was starting to sort of discount him as a Premier League midfielder. But um, yeah, in the last couple of games, he has been a real asset. And, it was and nice. he got the goal as well. Well, I was going to say, it was nice to see him score a really good goal. Um, but yeah, he's definitely offers something different to, for example, John Joe Shelby. Shelby. <laughs> Shelby. John Joe Shelby. <laughs> Sheriff John Joe Shelby. <laughs> um, Y'all get away from me now. <laughs> John Joshua. No, Sean has got... He's quite technically good, isn't he? He likes to move the ball. Yeah. He's good. He's, he's sort of... He's tidy, but you sort of look at every game we've had lately, he's gone largely unnoticed. And then you look at the sort of stats afterwards and he's generally been one of our best players every game. I think he doesn't... It's not like Shelby or Shea Ilvey where you sort of see him pinging 50-yard balls everywhere, but he just keeps things ticking over. And I think that link between defence and attack, we've been quite light on that lately. I think having him, Hayden and uh, Willock together could be, I mean, exciting by our standards, but yeah, kind of exciting. Well, this game against Watford, I think it was the first time, maybe we didn't do it for the whole 90 minutes, but one, it was probably the first game this season in which I've seen us play two halves, neither of which were awful. Yeah, I think that's fair. And it was also um, the first time in a long time where I felt like for most of the game we were winning the midfield. Yeah, I think a lot of that came because we had, well, we literally had the extra man in midfield. I think we, even though a lot of the reports of the game seemed to say we were playing 5-4-1 or whatever, it was a 4-1-4-1 with Hayden just screening in front of the defence. And I think I think if we still want that defensive solidity you get from a 5, then that's kind of the compromised way to do it. So that when you're defending, he can sort of slot back in the middle of, that, the of the centre-back. I think the problem for me is going to be Probably next game, Hayden will be out and Shelby will be doing that role. And Hayden's just very good at breaking play up. And then when he's got Willock and Longstaff in front of him, there's a bit of energy. And also that tactical shift, I think it was Almiron's best game in a while as well. He just looks so much more dangerous getting the ball further up. I think about at least two of their players got booked for fouls on Almiron because you just can't stop him. Well, also you've got if, well, if Callum Wilson comes back into the side, then which I know, unfortunately, isn't going to happen for 
at least a couple more weeks, right? Yeah. Um, but when he comes back in, I mean, hopefully that just means that Joe Linton loses his place and Sam Maxman goes out wide, hopefully. Probably, although I would say the other positive I was going to say is Joe Linton's performances. I think the Leeds game possibly his best game so far and he looked really solid again it's just when he gets in the box he can't score but actually as an outlet i don't think we have anyone else that you can get a sort of direct ball up to who can hold it up and he's he's looking better every game he's looking yeah it's not, it's not a massive dig it's just you know i wouldn't want uh i mean from the looks of it it's going to be a while till we have this problem but i wouldn't want yeah. Callum wilson to come back into the side and uh it to mean that we just have to get rid of a system that's working. I say working. Yeah. We haven't won a game this season. Two points in the last two games is our version of working. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a shame. But yeah, I think I would rather keep that formation. And I know St. Maxim doesn't offer as much defensively as Joel Linton, but he's our best player. You sort of have to try and accommodate him, I think. But you'd worry about any team with a decent right winger coming up against a left flank of Alan St. Maximin and Matt Ritchie. I think that would be quite tricky. So we haven't, because of this uh, sort of ramshackle week daytime podcast recording, we haven't uh, put out the question on social media. So we've got nothing from uh, you, the Newcastle Matter listener, unfortunately. But we do have some other business to talk about. There was, this still feels like quite a while ago now, but there was, I think it was before the Man U game, there was, uh, what's his name? The um, Oliver, the, the Daily Mail journalist. Who's Thingy first. Holt? Is it? Yeah. No, uh, Chris Hope, Craig Hope. Craig Hope, yes. Craig Hope. Who is basically banned from the training ground, I think, is... Um, he's banned from reporting on us, I think. Well, not reporting on us, but he's banned from press conferences. press conferences and stuff, isn't he? And all of that. And it would seem that he has a good relationship with some, uh, what's the word, malcontented members of the Newcastle squad. Basically, yeah. there was some uh, bust-ups on the training ground and there was an awful lot of stuff leaked to him. And that was probably the most toxic it got for Steve Bruce this season so far, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought it was interesting as well, because they covered it, because the Leeds game was a Friday night Sky one, I thought Sky's coverage of it was really good. They did a lot of talking to Newcastle fans in the build-up. Oh, that's right. But yeah. all the... Carragher and Neville were both saying sort of that, that's the most sort of unacceptable thing for the player. I think as fans, we have a tendency to be like, well, someone's putting the boot into Bruce, so this is all great. But actually, if you have one of our players leaking information out to the press, the stuff that does happen on the training pitch a lot, you kind of, that's not a good position for a club. It does seem unhealthy. I wonder if it was another one of those ones where you think this is so toxic, the crowd's really going to turn. It kind of threatened to happen, but then didn't. Now, I wonder if there is a little bit more time in the bank now. Oh, yeah, maybe. I mean, we still haven't got a victory, but um, no. 
yeah, I do wonder who's doing it and um, who's your let's be wildly spec. Who's your guess or your top three? Uh, Matt Ritchie, only because I know he's had a a problem with Steve Bruce before. Yeah. Um, John just Shelby just because he's a wrong un. It seems that one. Yeah. I don't know. But he is a sheriff, so let's be sheriff. careful. It's know. a tricky one. I don't know. I think, I I think Dwight Gale. Dwight, Dwight Gale, yes, he seems to have. Who knows? But, like, yeah, it's not great for the player, but also if it's got to the stage where that's happening with your club, it's not great for... For there's obviously big big problems. I was yeah. listening to a, a long podcast interview with Craig Bellamy. Oh yeah, by Jamie Carragher that was like recorded a year or two ago. It was really interesting, and he was talking about his time at Newcastle. You know, I don't know whether to believe him or whatever, but he was saying, you know, a, a lot of that stuff that was being leaked out around the time towards the end of Bobby Robson's reign. Yeah. When there was all the stuff about all his problem squad. Yeah. Craig Bellamy was saying that they basically wanted to get rid of Bobby Robson, but they wanted an excuse. So they kept on leaking all this stuff about the players. Who the club did? The club did. He was oh. saying... And he was saying, and it was also that he reckoned Bobby Robson wanted to move Alan Shearer on. I think that was documented at the time, sort of. Right. At least once he wanted to get rid of Shearer. Right. Anyway, that's interesting, and that's a big digression. But you know, well, it's fair enough. I'm just saying, you don't. All I would say is, it's clear that, as usual, all is not well with the club. But who knows exactly? Yeah. Although it feels like it was at the lowest in the week building up to the Leeds game, and it feels like we're not at that point now. Well, looking ahead again, we've got we do have a, a few games where you 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 want to be seeing a victory at some fucking point. We've got Wolves yeah. away, we've got Spurs at home, who are pretty tight. You know, what Spurs really remind me of us actually now post Bobby Robson. Yeah. You know, well, we'd had a few years where we challenged but not won anything. And then it all just suddenly everything was revealed and we were just a bit of a mess. I think Mourinho was kind of a budget, uh, well, soon as a budget Mourinho as well. Someone who goes in to piss off all the players and ruin yeah, yeah. whatever has been built before. Yeah. So does that mean Nuno Spirito Santo is what Glenn Roder? Well, let's see how it goes. If he if he's if he's ends up, I mean, Glenn he looks Roder, as bad. Seven, Glenn Roder got us to seventh, didn't he? Yeah, no, Glenn Roder was good for us. Yeah. But yeah, Spurs look pretty done. So yeah, and then we've got Palace away, who actually look good. We've got Chelsea at home, not a chance. We've got Brighton away, Brentford at home. I mean. So one of these games, you can make an argument for yeah. how we couldn't win any of them, but we've got to get three points at some point, haven't we? 
Yeah. We really, really, really are in trouble. The clean sheet uh, at some point would be nice as well. That would be nice as well, yeah. Although I am enjoying these entertaining games. Yeah. Because I'm able to have the ability to sometimes watch it like a neutral. So that's a benefit. But I think the thing that makes it entertaining for me, even when we're losing, is I've, because of how badly we run as a club, I don't have the usual fear of going down. So I think if we get relegated, part of me thinks, like, good, you deserve that for how terribly you're running the club. So it's not like the emotional fear that you normally have, I think. Sure. Which I feel is quite sad. It's a bit of an indictment of how badly we're run, but I do kind of think, part of me sometimes think, well, I sort of hope we go down to League One for a bit and rebuild. It's just that fear that the way things are, sometimes you see those clubs like Forest or whatever. Forest are the only one who've never really come back though, aren't they? Are they? Look at Leeds, look at Man City, look at Southampton. Leeds took a fucking long time. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Sheffield Wednesday, they've been doing a long time. But yeah, Um, anyway, yeah, there we are. Uh, what else have we got to talk about? Um, someone's retired, Paul. You were telling me. Stephen Taylor. Who's... Yeah. Where was he playing? Was he in Australia? I feel like he was at some point. Australia. I feel like he probably... Had, he's one of them ones who probably ended up playing in, like, Kerala. Oh, he was in Wellington. He was Wellington Phoenix. Wellington Phoenix. But they play in the Australian A-League, even though they're a New Zealand club. Right, the Berwick Rangers of um, yeah of Oceania. <laughs> um, oh yeah, in between two spells at uh, at Wellington Phoenix, he did also play at Odisha in the Indian Premier League. Funny old career. He was yeah. like, I feel like Jamal Lascelles is sort of the successor to Stephen Taylor. Yeah, so much buzz around him when he was young. I remember, was it at Wickham he went to on loan when he was at us when he was really young? Yes. Played under Tony Adams. I, I remember always clinging on to the fact Tony Adams said, like, he's going to be a future England centre-back. He could go all the way. And there was a point where you sort of felt like that was going to happen. I remember there like, was at least one season where he couldn't stop scoring as well. He was often linked to Chelsea. Yeah. Thank you. He was seen as a sort of like potential John Terry understudy. He had some um, great moments and he had some of the best stupid moments as well. Well, there's like, one the famous one. Go on. Yeah, no, his pretend, his handballs where he'd pretend he hadn't handballed were always great. I think that that was such a good involvement. It always gets overlooked because it was in the game where Boyer and Dyer had a fight. But yes, it was the one where he got... He, he got hit in the um, in the arm by the ball, but tried to make it look like it was in the chest and ended up looking like a painting from the Civil War. <laughs> he looked like he was in Platoon. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was always just... I mean, him and Titus Bramble together. I mean, not a lot Scary. of calm energy. Yeah. For 10 points, Paul, where was Stephen Taylor born? The Greenwich. Correct! Yeah. Who look at 
footballers' Wikipedia pages so often. This is probably like this is probably the like twentieth time I've been on Stephen Taylor's Wikipedia page. <laughs> um, but you know, may, may you have a happy t- retirement, Stephen. I wonder what the future holds. Will he end up? Uh, will we end up seeing him coaching in our academy or something? We'll see. You never know. And the only other thing that I can think of to mention before we finish up and uh, make our predictions for the Wolves game is, I mean, everything that needs to be said about it has probably been said, but if you've not seen it on social media this week, um, on FIFA... Uh, the video video game there was uh, you know there was someone pointed out recorded there was a moment when there was a penalty shootout and Newcastle won it and in the game the bench rushed the pitch and uh, Steve Steve Bruce was outpacing every single member of that bench including Alan Maximum who uh, complained to FIFA on Twitter why have I got a pace <laughs> of 91 and Steve Bruce has 99? So I think as well, Steve Bruce on FIFA, because I've played it a few times, he looks homeless. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not flattering. It just, it just looks like there's a homeless man on the bench. He looks really ill. It's quite insulting to him. I think you could kind of, you could have a, a case for taking them to court for implying you live, <laughs> live under a bridge. <laughs> amazing if you ever get the chance to have a look at it on youtube there's um when steve bruce was captain of man united in the early 90s he made i guess this was for like a video it would have been for sale or something he made something called captain's log which was like a a a documentary made by steve bruce with him like filming behind the scenes and stuff, uh, and that's quite funny. Just see, seeing what happens in it. I've never heard of this. I'd like to think I've seen most obscure football documentaries. You see, I, it's 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 on YouTube in like parts. I've seen like bits of it, but just put on in search in YouTube. Steve Bruce Captain's Log should do it for you. It's, it's it's not that amazing, but it's just quite funny seeing early early nineties football before they were like all insanely rich, you know? Yeah. So he's just like he's got Steve Bruce's house and like a young Alex Bruce eating his cereal before school. And like I don't know, he just sort of like lives the life of like a proud regional manager with like a BMW, you know. Anyway, oh. worth looking at. So wolves, wolves, yes, wolves away. They've not, in terms of results, they've not had a great start to the season. But Raúl Jiménez has just scored. Yeah, it sounds like they've been. Their fans don't sound too unhappy. I think they've been a lot more entertaining to watch this season. Just haven't finished it. It sounds like they've been kind of like Brighton last season. That's what people have been saying, yeah. But Brighton absolutely 
battered us last year. Yeah, <laughs> this is my worry with how open we play. You sort of think if ever you need a game where the finishing's not happening, you need it to click. That's usually where we step up, like holding the velvet rope open, welcoming teams in. Yeah, is a bit of a worry. So we'll have to see. But let's uh, give it a. Paul, oh, just, just give me a prediction. I think. I feel like. I mean, it's our version of momentum, but it does feel like there's a bit of momentum. Performances are getting better. I, I think it'll be another score draw. I think one all. One all. That would be three one alls in a row. Yeah. I'm going to say 2-1 to us only because of the gambler's fallacy. Only just because I feel like we have to win at some point. We are not a good side, but we are also not a side that is going to go through a whole season without winning that. I mean, we haven't played Norwich yet, to be fair. Yeah. I think Norwich will beat us just because we are the team that whenever you're going for a new record of low points... Like Sheffield United, Derby. It was when yeah, Derby County got their only victory against Justin. And Sheffield United last season. Did yeah, they beat so. us or draw? The way you just like, they, they, God, they, they always us. against us, I think. But yeah, I don't feel too pessimistic about the Wolves game. It's weird. We're in that kind of hinterland because it felt like before the Leeds game, we were just like, something has to change here. Are you just waiting for either a victory to turn the corner or just everything to turn toxic with us getting a bit of a, a pasting? But neither's happened, and we're just in this zone of picking up enough points to stay 17th. I wonder how long that might continue. I think if St. Maximin gets injured, then we're really in trouble. Yeah. With him and Callum Wilson out. Yeah, I'd say Wilson in a way is more important to us. I think I was reading Maybe. last season. But while fifth... he while he's out, nearly everything that we're doing from an attacking point of view, St. Maximus is involved in some way. Yeah, I would I think we'd be weaker without Wilson rather than St. Maximin. Sure. I think last season, the 15 games we had where Wilson was injured, we won two. I think he's more important. If you imagine like that Watford game, if Wilson had been playing in that, he would have had a hat-trick, I would say. I think he, he certainly... I mean, I don't know if he'd got that one-on-one chance that Jacob Murphy had. I mean, that was... Well, the impossible. Yeah, but that's not really a chance, is it? That's more like... That's... I don't think you can count that as a chance. He was... Yeah. Uh, Speculative. That's like shooting from the halfway line. It's yeah. like you're pleased if it goes in, but no one's expected it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, well, um, we'll leave it there. But um, thank you very much, Paul Doolan. Thank you. Thank you to you, the Newcastle Natter listener. My name is Fergus Craig. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Bye. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Podcast Network.